This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. Now, our guest usually comes on Monday, but uh, he was at a highfalutin golf tournament rubbing elbows with some of the amazing people in the world and just uh, was a little bit above us today, but he has now come back down to earth to join us here on a Wednesday. And, of course, it's the great E.J. Raddick from the NHL Network. How are you, sir? I'm good. I've floated very peacefully back down to earth, and, uh, yeah, it's nice to be here. <laughs> well, hopefully you had a lot of fun on Monday. I know you love those things, and... I'm sure it was for a good cause. Yes, it was very nice, actually. It was a good day, and, uh, yeah, it's nice to get out. I love, the, I'm a, I love playing golf. I know you're not a golf guy. No. But I enjoy it. It's nice to be outside in the nice weather, you know, chasing the little ball around. So it's good. Yeah, before we get into the playoffs and, and where we stand, certainly with Vegas and Dallas, is that, you know, American hockey has really just come a long way. And you take a look at the standings as far as the best scorers in the NHL. And we have an outside chance with Vancouver having two games left to have four Americans eclipse the 100-point mark. Already Giroux's done it with Kachuk. And, of course, the uh, amazing year that Matthews has had scoring his 59th and 60th goals last night. But even if Miller doesn't get there, him with 97 points, I mean, it just... I just I was struck by that EJ that you have that many great American-born players in the National Hockey League now. Yeah, you're right. It's come a ways. I mean, we go back to Donnie when we were doing the old NHL live radio show slash simulcast back. You know, what was that? 15 years ago now, 10, 12, 15 years ago, and yeah, just even in that time. And I know in my own experience, uh, you know, watching the uh, World Junior Championships, I can go back to you know, the mid-90s, and, you know, when the Americans played the Canadians, I mean, there was they were intimidated. And, uh, you know, that started to change. 2004, that team won their first gold at the World Junior Championships, and that's an indicator of kind of where the young players are moving forward. And, you know, we are really developing a, a lot of great American-born players, and I think a lot of it is the fact that, uh, you know, there was – the league branched out into different places. Austin Matthews is from Arizona. I mean, and there's other examples of great players that have come from places where there wasn't the availability to learn to play hockey. There was no rinks. There were no programs. And over the last uh, 20 or 30 years, that's changed dramatically. So uh, it's great to see, and it's great to see the game continuing to grow everywhere. But certainly uh, in the U.S., we're seeing a lot of talented yeah. kids, you know, come out of these U.S. programs all over you know, from all 50 states and all parts of, uh, you know, the country. Yeah, and also, you know, it's not just Minnesota and Detroit and Massachusetts either, right? You're looking at, oh. now granted, Kachuk, his affiliations were where his dad was from, but, you know, uh, Giroux, um, you know, when you look at uh, Goudreau playing in so- South Jersey, right? Uh, JT Miller's from Ohio. <laughs> you know, so, you know, th- that's that's the thing that kind of impresses me. And as you mentioned, Austin Matthews, born in the Bay Area, grew up in Arizona. So it's not all the the Michigan, Minnesota, and Boston guys that you're seeing a, a real melting pot around the United States of really good hockey players. And they get to play, too. There's a lot of travel now. They get to play the Canadian kids very early. I mean, they see these kids. There's so many travel tournaments and the really high-end players are, you know, at 12 and 13 and 14. They're not frightened about uh, playing, you know, some of these high-end Canadian kids and even kids from different parts of the world. So uh, 
a lot has changed, but uh, yeah, there's just so much skill. That's the impressive thing, and we got a lot of great young American goaltenders as well that are part of the mix. I mean, Thatcher Demko out in Vancouver, just to name one, and there's several others. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's great to see. It's great to see. And there's still one last race in the West, but let's face it, it's pretty much over. Vegas loses in the shootout, a seven-round shootout to Dallas. They're four points back with two to play. They have the tiebreaker, but they need Dallas to lose both their games, and good luck with that. A spirited Arizona team, but they get them in Dallas, and then they you know, they close out the season at home against Anaheim while Vegas is going to be in Chicago and St. Louis. So it looks like Vegas is cooked for the first time in franchise history, BJ. But my question to you is, with the miscommunication with the with the Leonard situation, is he having surgery, is he not having surgery, the cap situation, are you going to see a lot of changes in Vegas after this season? I don't know what they're going to do there. I mean, Bill Foley, the owner, has been ultra-aggressive right from the start. He said he wanted to win a cup in the first five years. I think we're past that now, five or six years. I would I would not go crazy if I was them. They have assembled a really talented roster. They have had a crazy year. They've had a lot of injuries. They've had a lot of cap issues. I mean, they've overextended themselves in areas to get great players. They've tried to game the system wherever they can. And, you know, good for them. They, you know, they're trying to win. I mean, I'm sure if you're a fan of, uh, of any team, I mean, we can talk about teams in all sports. It's like, well, we don't have the cap room. We don't do this. And, like, you got to be, if you're a fan of the Vegas Golden Knights, you got to be thrilled that your owner and your management group, they try, they do whatever they can, literally, to make it happen. Now, uh, this year it hasn't worked out. I think the best course of action is to evaluate what you saw, you got to see actually some newer players in the mix too due to injury to other guys, see where your cap situation is, look at your free agents, and then try to put all those pieces together under the cap as you can. I mean, um, you have Eichel, you have Petrangelo, you have Stone, you have Pacioretty. I mean, you, you know, you got to figure out your goaltending situation going forward. Can Robin Leonard be healthy enough? going forward to be your goalie and if he can't be that that's that's a question you have to answer um logan thompson played extremely well down the stretch he was great last night i mean he did everything he could to help vegas in that game they end up losing in a seven round shootout so i don't know what they're going to do donnie like i said they've been really aggressive they may decide well we got to do this that and the other thing and fire this guy or do this to me i would take a step back i would size up and evaluate over the next couple of weeks the performances from all the different players that they had there this year. I would try to figure out physically, medically, what where Robin Leonard is going to be moving forward. And then I would get make my plan for next year based on that. And I would I would not make major changes. That's a good roster. I mean, when you have up the middle, you have Eichel, you have uh, Carlson as a number two guy, you, you've got uh, Roy as a three uh or Wah is a three. I mean, you got you got strength up the middle. You got Petrangelo. You got Theodore. I mean, those two guys are really good players. Um, you know, I think their roster is good. I just think it was one of those years where yeah. it, just, it just wasn't meant to be for a number of reasons. And with all of that last week, and they're still not officially eliminated, although they'll likely be out tonight so 
that's the way I would play it, Donnie. I don't know what they're going to do, but I would for war, for the first time in franchise history, I would exercise patience and try to figure put all those pieces yeah. together because they got a lot of. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I agree. It, it's been a disastrous season for them, and yet still here we are on the Wednesday before the season is over and still mathematically not eliminated. Plus, uh, goal differential is, is, is very good as well um, at, at plus um, 16, where any other year that would probably get you in, considering Dallas is going to get in at minus 9, the only team with a under-goal differential that's actually make the playoffs in both conferences. Now, getting a good look at Carolina over the last couple of weeks – you know, listen. I love Florida, and they can score with anybody. And and you know, certainly Tampa's got to get consideration because they've won back to back cups. But when you look at the East, I, I think it goes through Carolina. I, I, maybe I'm wrong because you look at last night. I mean, listen. I understand that they pretty much had the division wrapped up anyway. They're starting a kid goaltender, and yet they they really just shut it down. They allowed a couple of goals late, but that game was already decided. Uh, the Rangers, who are a high-flying team, just cannot maneuver around that team at all. The only time they beat Carolina was when Georgiev stood on his head. They were outshot 44-18. to 18. Uh, So, uh, I mean, and you look at the path. Uh, I really like Carolina. I think they're exceptionally well-coached. They get scoring from everywhere, not just relying on one guy. Natchez has been good for them. Ajo's probably been their best offensive player. Taravainen, I and mean, Trocek. Am I wrong to think that as good as Florida is and the respect I have for Tampa, that I'm I'm feeling Carolina in the East? If there's any reason uh, to you know question that too much? I mean, you're right. I mean, Florida has played great, and I mean, but they're they're going to have different paths, right? I mean, Florida and Tampa, along with Toronto, and then we'll see who Carolina may play Boston in the first round, which is which has been a really good matchup this year for Carolina. The numbers are dramatic in that regard, but Yeah, one all three. Boston is a little different team now than they were when they played earlier. They've made some changes to the way they uh, you know, use their, their forwards and they've also added a really good defenseman in Lindholm. Both goalies it looks like are healthy in Swayman and uh, and Omark and Omark's actually played well since he's come back from injury. So that'll be challenging, but you know I think you're right. Carolina's a really good team. They've been they've been buzzing around it now for the last couple of years, right? They made the conference final a couple of years back. They got swept by Boston, but then they've been a playoff team over the last couple of years. They've been a good team and been a hard out. And uh, you know, are they ready to take that next step? I mean, the goaltending is different this year. Anderson has got an injury. We don't know what his status is moving forward. Toronto. Seems like he had a minor injury the other day, but this Kochetkov kid, do not dismiss him because no. he uh, he was in Chicago with the Chicago Wolves of the American League. He's a second round pick. He was thirteen one and one in the American League with a nine twenty one save percentage. They really like him. I did some work on him uh, just to kind of get you know up to speed on who this guy is. And you know, you talk to the people around the Hurricanes; they look at him as their goalie of the future. Maybe the future is now. Yeah. Because I can tell you this, and it's, it's an interesting thing. Now, they're going to, if Freddie Anderson is healthy, they're going to play him, right? I mean, that's just, that's where they're at. And, you know, Andre Rancho has been good when he's healthy, but he's, he's been banged up a lot in his career. So uh, it's hard to know how much you can really rely on him. Sometimes, you know, like Freddie Anderson has been really good this year, but he's had struggles in the postseason, particularly in big spots. 
sometimes you're better off with the guy that, like, you know what the other guys have done. Sometimes you're better off with the guy that, hey, we don't know. Maybe this guy will be better than, yeah. than both of those guys in, in, in games. So I don't know if they're going to go that way. I don't think that's going to be the They might have choice. to. Right? They're saying Anderson could but, be a couple of weeks. He may not be ready for game one. But that's the thing. That is absolutely the thing. So when the Canes won the last time they won in their only cup in franchise history, they had a rookie goalie named Cam Ward that uh, was the guy for them, and they ended up winning. he ended up winning the Conn Smythe, I believe. And so now he played a lot more during the year. But we have seen cases where guys kind of come out of nowhere late in the year and just, you know, they come in and they're right place, right time, and they play very well. I mean, you go all the way back to Ken Dryden with Montreal in the early 70s. I mean, he played six regular season games and he came in and helped Montreal win a cup and was just lights out good against the, one of the great Bruins teams uh, that has ever been put together. So at any rate, we'll see. I'm not saying it's going to go that way, but for fans out there who are listening who don't know who this guy is, I mean, imagine if, Shesterkin had to come in off six games in the minors where he was outstanding, just like this guy has been. That would, you know, he's been unbelievable since he's been in the NHL. So you just never know. So how it plays out, I like their team. You're right. They can score from, you know, different places. I hope, you know, they need like a guy like Marty Natchez to have a big playoff. They need guys like that that were skilled guys that can be secondary scoring guys. They need those guys to have, you know, they haven't had, he hasn't had a great regular season this year they need him to step up um but i do worry a little bit about some of their d it's not to me it's not quite as deep and as um i don't feel quite as comfortable as i have maybe in other years but it's a good group and uh they're very like you said exceptionally coached by roddy brindamore so you know they're going to be a they're going to be a handful there's no question You know, just great individual performances this year, EJ. And I don't know how much we really discussed, at least lately, what Chris Kreider's been able to do. Never had more than 28 goals in a a season. Now has 52. uh, A couple of games here to maybe break the franchise record held by Yarmir Yager. There's so many different theories and why it's come together for him. I feel it's like the the chance to kill penalties and, and to really learn where to put himself and and we I talked about it with him in an interview I had on the Michael K show and, and he felt that maybe that's the reason him having to go out and kill penalties allows him to kind of understand what it takes to put yourself in the right position to score and he parks himself in front but he's also got a good shot and what are some of your theories on why he's exploded this year and is it sustainable is this kind of what he can now be moving forward well, I think it's hard to be a 50-goal scorer every year, right? Because if it was that easy, right, the Rangers have been a- around a long time. What if four, four guys, right, have been 50-goal scorers for the Rangers, right? Right. Field, Graves, Younger, Ryder. So this is an exceptional season. I don't, I don't know if he'll ever have a season like this again. Um, but I will say this, and this has struck me all year long, Donnie. I don't know if we've, we've touched on it, but I, I just feel like Chris Kreider, he is, he's matured. Uh, obviously as a player, as a person, like we'd like to see everybody do, but it just seems like he has wanted to be the leader of that group this year. And I and you're around them a lot. You watch their games. You do their games. Like, it seems like to me he's always the guy. He's like the guy that's, like, there to pat a teammate on the back. He's there to jump in when something happens, if there's a scrum. Uh, he just seems like he wants to lead by example. And, you know, I've had a little theory that, 
you know, the Rangers don't have a captain. And they didn't name one this year. A lot was made of the fact they have all these guys with, you know, as assistants. And I think he's kind of, he's taken it on himself to be the leader. And they've got a couple of guys there that are that, that kind of fill that role. But I think that's been the biggest thing for me is he's wanted to lead by example. He's wanted to be in all those spots. I think, you know, you make a good point about the penalty killing. That gives you a little bit of a different look at things. Uh, gets you on the ice a little bit. Gets you in the mix a little bit more. He's, you know, since coming into in the league, I mean, he's obviously been big, strong, fast. He can shoot the puck through the end boards. And he's been a little bit of an enigma in that, you know, you expect more from somebody who has that kind of, those kind of physical tools. I mean, he's got the physical tools that a Mark Messier had, you know, when you think about it. So, obviously, Messier was a one in a million and special player and a special person. But Chris Kreider has taken it up a notch this year. There's no question about that, obviously. And I think it's just his desire to lead and to be a... Uh, you know, a guy to pull this group by, uh, you know, kind of be the lead dog. Yeah, and, that, and I thought it was interesting. You know, he won um, yeah, he won the uh, Stephen McDonald Extra Effort right. Award, and he broke down because I, I, he's been here forever. You know, you, you kind of forget how we were introduced to him during a playoff run 10 years ago. You know, and yep. and of course, 50 goals may never happen again, but, you know, to be a consistent 35, 40-goal scorer, he's only 30. You know, so you know, I, I still think there's a lot of production in him. And then you look at Zabanajad and Panarin. I mean, this is a team I know a lot of Ranger fans are putting their eggs in, in this year. But this, this to me, is not going to go down like the Knicks last year where they had this uh, transcendent season and then took a step back. I, I think this team is moving forward, even if it doesn't happen this year. I do think getting out of the first round is going to be kind of important from an experience standpoint. But you can kind of just see the pieces are there for this team to be around for a long time. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. And they got some players on this team that aren't even, you know, are barely scratching the surface of what they're going to be moving forward. When you think of Schneider and you think of uh, Lafreniere and Kako, these guys, those are those are babies still. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I like their team. I think they've got better as the year has gone on. They've got a great goaltender, obviously, in Shesterkin. I think the defense has grown by leaps and bounds this year. It will be a great experience for them. I think they're one of those teams right now that, uh, you know, they they almost, uh, you know, don't know what they don't know, which is great because when you get out of the playoffs and you don't have that baggage, they don't carry really any baggage of past disappointment, right, into the playoffs. So they go in fresh with this group. Uh, I think they have a great chance to beat either Pittsburgh or Washington, no matter who they play in that uh, first round. And then after that, it depends, uh, you know, how things roll from there. You'd likely see Carolina, although I don't, I do think they'll have their hands full with Boston. And, mm-hmm. You know, we'll go from there. But, it's, uh, you know, it's been a great year for the Rangers. They've got uh, all kinds of terrific personnel on that team. And, uh, you know, like I always say, matchups and injuries in the postseason and, you know, how healthy. they got a couple of guys dinged up right now. But, yeah. you know, uh, I certainly like their chances in the first round. And after that, we'll see who they get next. Yeah, just gain some experience. They got so many kids because I don't really count the bubble at all. It was, it was three and done. Shesterkin didn't play in that series. So you're looking at the really important players for the Rangers, right? Shesterkin, Fox, Lindgren, Miller. 
you know, these are all guys, Lafreniere, Kako, who should be healthy for the playoffs. Never touched, never Smith uh, been in this situation before. You know, so uh, not a ton of experience. So getting out of the first round and playing in the second round, win or lose, would really go a long way for this team. And also, I should mention that Kreider will turn 31 on Saturday. So he, he's deep into 30 here, but still relatively young player. He's uh, he is such a unique physical specimen, Don. I don't. I I would imagine that he is. Uh, you know, I would not necessarily worry, worry about him breaking down for a few. Like he's got a little more time, I think, than the average guy in that circumstance. Because wow, I mean, again, he is just he is blessed with physical tools that not many are blessed with. Well, EJ, hopefully we can get you on Monday for a little bit of a playoff preview. Unless you're going to be on the pro tour or something, maybe you can carve out a little no, time I for mean, us. I was, was thinking about heading out to Pebble Beach for a couple <laughs> of hours uh, just to get loose for the spring season, but uh, I'll probably be able to do it on Monday. Golf is garbage. <laughs> we'll talk to you then, buddy. <laughs> no, I'm not going to get you sniffing Tiger Woods. I'll just leave it. Okay. There. All right. We'll talk to you Monday. <laughs> Take right. care, buddy. See ya. All right, that's the great EJ Ratty. You can catch him 4-6 to six Eastern on the NHL Network, and we'll talk to him on Monday, get a playoff preview, because the playoffs are going to start on Monday, believe it or not. And we'll have our picks and everything coming up then, and we'll be able to kind of set up exactly all the matchups when we get to Friday. We'll know that, or at least come close to knowing that, because there are still going to be games on Friday. Five games tonight. Um, the Rangers-Canadians, as you heard EJ say, there's not going to be much going on. No cop, no Panarin. Uh, they've called up some players. I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see Fox or Lingren rested in this one. Game does not matter. It'll be interesting to see how they handle the Washington game because it could actually benefit them to have Washington beat them on Friday to match up with them uh, in the first round. I think that's the best matchup for the Rangers against Washington, although Pittsburgh's not playing great either. I think the Rangers beat either of the two, and I think they'll play it straight, but that'll make for an interesting game on Friday. Uh, the other games that matter is, you know, Golden Knights will be in Chicago to take on the Blackhawks at 8.30. Also at 8.30, the Stars home for the Coyotes, and here's what has to happen. Vegas has to get two points in Chicago any way, shape, or form, and Dallas has to lose in regulation for the Vegas Golden Knights to survive another day in the National Hockey League, and then it'll come down to Friday when both teams will be in action, when the Golden Knights will be in St. Louis to take on the Blues for an 8 o'clock face-off, and then it'll be the Stars home for the Ducks at 8.30, and then the same scenario for Vegas. They have to win their game and have the Stars lose in regulation. So looking at Dallas on who they have to play at home against Arizona, at home against Anaheim. It looks like Vegas' season is done, but they're still mathematically alive here. So that's where we stand. Back on Friday, we'll have the top five of the week, and we'll get back to your tweets at at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct then, and we'll set up what will be the last day of the regular season, even though there's a game coming up on Sunday between the Kraken and the Jets, but those... Or just uh, that game's just for the diehards. So we will talk to you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.